I'm excited that I have the opportunity to share with you something from Scripture this morning, something that I hope will be of encouragement and a blessing to you in these troubled and difficult times. I'm excited to share something from the Bible that John Ortberg actually refers to as illumination. So we're going to look at this concept of what it means for a person to suddenly realize something new and wonderful that changes their life forever. We're going to look in a moment at Matthew 16, so you may want to turn there in your Bible and leave it open. We'll be there in just a moment. And let me remark that if you some, need something to watch uh, during these times when you're all cloistered up, and if you can find it, you may want to watch The Miracle Worker. It's an older movie in which Patty Duke recreates the character of Helen Keller, an Alabama girl who at the age of 19 months becomes blind and deaf. It's a wonderful story of Helen Keller's rise from darkness into illumination, which, as I said, is what Ortberg's chapter in Eternity Now and is Now in Session is all about. To make the point, Ortberg begins his chapter like this. He says, Illumination comes to us, if it comes at all, as a gift. I don't know of a better picture of it than from the autobiography of Helen Keller. She writes that the day her teacher came to her was the most important day of her life. Keller says of that day, I am filled with wonder when I consider the immeasurable contrast between the two lives which it connects. And, and what she's talking about is one day she doesn't have her teacher, the next day she does have her teacher, and everything changes. Illumination is the word for the process by which we come to see and think differently. A new world becomes available that was previously closed to us. Often it happens gradually. For Helen Keller, it came in a single day. Keller writes, One day, while I was playing with my new doll, Miss Sullivan put my big rag doll into my lap also, and she also spelled D-O-L-L -L and tried to make me understand that D-O-L-L, -L, and she was using sign language in Helen Keller's hand, D-O-L-L -L in sign language applied to both the rag doll and her new doll. Earlier in the day, we'd had quite a tussle, Miss Sullivan and I, over the words mug, M-U-G, and water, W-A-T-E-R. She had tried to impress upon me that M-U-G is mug, and that W-A-T-E-R, again sign language in her hand, is water. But I persisted in confounding the two. I, I just didn't understand. So she brought me my hat, and I knew I was going out into the warm sunshine. This thought, if a wordless sensation may be called a thought, made me hop and skip with pleasure. We walked down the path to the well house, attracted by the fragrance of the honeysuckle with which it was covered. Someone was drawing water, and my teacher placed my hand under the spout. As the cool stream gushed over one hand, she spelled into the other hand, the word water, W-A-T-E-R, first slowly, then rapidly. I stood still, my whole attention fixed upon the motions of her fingers. Suddenly I felt a misty consciousness as of something forgotten, a thrill of returning thought, and somehow the mystery of language was revealed to me. I knew then that W-A-T-E-R, spelled out in my hand, meant the wonderful, cool something that was flowing over my hand. 
That living word awakened my soul. It gave it light. It gave it hope and joy. It set it free. There were barriers still, it's true, but barriers that could in time be swept away. I left the well house eager to learn. Everything had a name, and each name gave birth to a new thought. And as we returned to the house, every object which I touched, I seemed to quiver with life as I touched it. That was because I saw everything with the strange new insight that had come to me. On entering the door, I remembered that the doll had broken. I felt my way to the hearth and picked up the pieces. I tried vainly to put them together. Then my eyes filled with tears, for I realized what I had done. And for the first time, I felt repentance and sorrow. I learned a great many new words that day. I don't remember what they all were, but I know that there was mother and father and sister and teacher. All of those words I learned, and the world blossomed for me. It would have been difficult to find a happier child than I was as I lay in my crib at the close of that very first day, having longed for a new day to come, and it was here. I was free. Well, Helen Keller tells that story about her own illumination. And this story connects directly to our lives and with the lives of some biblical characters because there is something of illumination that comes to each of us when we, when we come to know Jesus. Here's a biblical example. And this is where Matthew 16 comes in. If you want to look there, I'm going to be reading from uh, verse 13. And this is a story where Jesus is around the lake. He's at the, the city of Caesarea Philippi. And when he gets there, he asks the disciples a question. So it says in verse 13, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the son of man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked, what do you say? Who, who am I? And Simon Peter answered, and this is the first time in the Gospel of Matthew when this is uttered in this way at all. You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Something just happened. Illumination just took place. No one had said that before. And when Peter says it, it absolutely changes everything. Now, when I say everything changed, I don't necessarily mean that it was all changed for the better. It's not as though with the truth about Jesus realized that Peter, Peter can then go on to a wonderful life in Christ. Just look at verse 21. There, it says, from that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. And so after Peter's confession, this is what Jesus now starts to explain to them. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. Jesus turned and said to Peter, now this is the Peter who just confessed Jesus as Lord, get behind me, Satan. You're a stumbling block to me. You don't have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, and whoever loses their life will, will uh, for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? And so a moment ago, there had been illumination, insight. 
But illumination and belief doesn't mean that everything is going to be wonderful. Taking up your cross for Jesus is just another way of saying that Christ, in believing in him, wants us to give up our lives for him. Illumination, real belief, means that your life is no longer your own. Your life belongs to Christ, and that changes everything. A second biblical example I want to point to is John chapter 9. Here there's the story of the man born blind whose eyes Jesus heals so that the man can see. But it's not just his physical sight that Jesus restores. So Jesus puts mud on the man's eyes. He then is able to see. And there are some conversations with the Pharisees, them wondering exactly how the man's eyes were healed. Eventually, the Pharisees, not believing what the man is telling them about Jesus, throw him out of the synagogue which for a Jew was particularly an awful experience, and which means that he will essentially be socially isolated, and not just for a couple of weeks, but socially isolated maybe the rest of his life. Well, when Jesus hears of this, he comes to the man. He says to the man in John 9.35, Do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir? The man asked. Tell me so that I might believe in him. Jesus said, you've now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. Then the man said, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. So this man, the man born blind who is healed, he has an experience not unlike Peter, where both of them come to, come to realize just who Jesus is for them, and they both now believe. Being healed by Christ and believing in Jesus meant for this man that everything had changed. His eyes were healed, bringing illumination. But his whole life and perspective had been completely changed as well, and from now on, nothing would be the same. Well, if John Ortberg makes any application to our lives of the principle of illumination, it's this, that once we do come to know Jesus, nothing remains the same. Everything changes for us. Our attitudes perspectives, relationships, behavior, priorities, the way we use our time, our money, our effort, everything changes after the moment of belief in Jesus, our moment of illumination. On January 22nd, 1916, Helen Keller and Ann Sullivan Macy, who was her teacher, traveled to the small town of Menominee, Wisconsin, in western Wisconsin, to deliver a lecture at the Mabel Tainter Memorial Building. Details of her talk were provided in the weekly Dunn County newspaper the next day. Here's what the news article says. It says, A message of optimism, of hope, of good cheer, and of loving service was brought to Mononymy Saturday, a message that will linger long with those fortunate enough to have received it. This message came with the visit of Helen Keller and her teacher, Mrs. Ann Sullivan Macy. Both had a hand in imparting it Saturday evening, this message, to a splendid audience that filled the Memorial Coliseum. The wonderful girl who has so brilliantly triumphed over the triple afflictions of blindness, dumbness, and deafness gave a talk with her own lips on happiness, and it will be remembered always as a piece of inspired teaching by those who heard it. So a hundred years later, after that report of that particular incident where Helen Keller and Ann Sullivan shared the story and, and shared about happiness. 
A hundred years later, on January 20th, 2016, there was a new edition of the paper that came out. And it went back to that story uh, and, and recounted the event that had taken place. And here's what it says now. It says, according to those who attended, Helen Keller spoke of the joy that life gave her. She was thankful for the faculties and abilities that she did possess and stated that the most productive pleasures uh, that she had were curiosity and imagination. Keller also spoke of the joy of service and the happiness that came from doing things for others. Keller imparted that helping your fellow men were one's only excuse for being in this world, and the doing of things to help one's fellows lay at the secret of lasting happiness. She also told of the joys of loving work and accomplishment and the happiness of achievement. Although the entire lecture lasted only a little over an hour, the lecture had a profound impact on the audience. That's amazing to me. This woman was deaf and blind. And yet she can talk about happiness and joy because when her illuminating moment came and she realized what words were, everything changed. In my nuclear family, mom, dad, and the kids, there are five of us, Robin, Kelly, Adam, Ryan, and Megan. All of us during the course of our lives became Christians, which means that at some point we all came to believe. For each of us, that happened in different ways and at different times. Four of us, Robin, Adam, Ryan, and Megan, were raised in Christian families and came to Christ over time. I'm the outlier in our family, since my conversion to Christ literally happened over about four days. Some people take three days to come to Christ or four days to come to Christ. Some people take decades. But eventually, being Christian means making a personal, sincere, authentic, deep, abiding decision to follow Christ. And when it happens, when illumination takes place, and you go from knowing some things about Jesus to knowing Jesus as your Savior and guide and God, everything changes. Or at least it should. Our attitudes, perspectives, relationships, behavior, our priorities, the way we use our time, our money, our effort, even the way that we might think of what it means to be shut up at home for a couple of weeks or maybe a couple of months, everything changes after the moment of belief in Jesus, our moment of illumination. And I just want to ask this morning, has that happened for you? Are you continuing to be transformed by the illumination that is your belief in Christ? Do you believe that he's the Christ, the son of the living God? And if you do, what does that mean for your life? How, how does change come into your life because of what it is that Jesus has done. If he is everything for us, if we believe in him the way that we say we do, it means that nothing in our lives stays the same. I pray that that's happened for you. In fact, it's my belief that trusting in Christ in that way, believing in him, receiving that kind of illumination, is exactly what's going to get us through this kind of crisis at the present time. And so I pray that it's happened for you. If if it hasn't, if there are things about Jesus you still want to know, and if you're wanting to learn about Jesus as Lord and as the Son of the living God, 
I'd love for you to call the Calvary Church of Christ and, and leave a message since there's staff are there only periodically. Or give me a call, send me an email. I'd love to talk to you about who Jesus is. God bless you. Have an absolutely wonderful rest of the day.